Welcome to All Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Paul Wadlington of Inside Texas. It's time for our Saturday conversation. Each and every Saturday, Paul and I try to get together, uh, give you our thoughts on what's going on in the world around Texas football and sports, as well as recruiting. Uh, Paul, welcome in, bud. Hey, thanks. You know, May 12th. Is there is there a better time to talk football than May 12th in the calendar? No, there's, there's never a better time than to talk football, Paul. You know hey, that. I, I actually do have a thought. Do you, I got something for us. Uh, my uh, gambling app, uh, I mean, obviously, I just, you know, I, I don't have a problem, Bobby, I promise. But <laughs> my, my gambling app just updated first week lines. The Texas Longhorns, Bobby, are getting, well, no, this is actually second week. They're getting eight and a half points at Alabama. Do you like that? Do you like that bet? I wouldn't, I would steer clear of that. I don't bet on Texas. Uh, too near and dear to my heart, typically, yeah. to give uh, that kind of, uh, uh, to put my hard-earned money on the line. I, I feel like that's a lot, but at the same time, I'm, I just keep coming back to the idea that it's in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Nick Saban did not like how last year went uh, for the Crimson Tide. They they were kind of weak at the point of attack in places. I got, uh, I mean, I they got beat up at times last yeah. year by by other teams, and I just don't think he's going to let that happen again next year. That doesn't mean Texas is going to let it, you know, not not go out there and play well or what have you. I just I feel like that's going to be a, a difficult ask. What, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I wanted to date L. McPherson back in the 1990s, Bobby, but it didn't happen. So I don't really care what Nick Saban wants to do. Uh, I'm not sure what he, I think it's about what he can do, right? Uh, but uh, honestly, I, I like that. I like Texas with those points. I like that outlook. In fact, the the, the money line is, a, is an appealing bet. It's plus 245, which is not bad. Uh so maybe a mixture of those bets, that was appealing to me. But to your point about not betting on Texas, I have real problems with it too, uh, real reservations. And it, it can actually work both ways. It's not that I'm overly optimistic. Sometimes I see all of our faults to a fault and I can't make the obvious bet. Um, and as you know, I write the Thinking Texas Football Big 12 preview, opponent preview. And I, I, I have to say it does give me an advantage early in the year when I'm betting. Uh, I, I, I win at a disproportionate amount of what I should. And then as the lines even out and you get more games played, I'm just a regular schlub. Uh, <laughs> and all my research doesn't matter because Vegas is damn good at what they do. But I think that eight and a half, if you would have asked me, you know, two months ago where Vegas would set that line, I would have thought it would have been about six, six and a half. So I like that. Uh, but maybe Vegas is seeing something that I don't, or maybe just, Alabama at Tuscaloosa is just that good because usually Alabama stubs its toe on the road, as, as you know. Yeah, and, and it's early. And Nick typically has done a really good job early in seasons. After that, after he flubbed uh, Louisiana Monroe in year two, or may have been year one, I can't remember, um, he has just annihilated people early in seasons. He really has. I mean, big That's name teams. That's a really good point. And I got to say, it's a broad stereotype, but I think it's true. And I think I actually researched this once, but my general feeling, broadly speaking, is I'd rather play a good SEC team early in the year than later in the year. Alabama has been the constant and consistent ex exception because they're not just a team of great athletes, which they usually are. They're super, they're, they're like a program school, right? They're, 
they're they're well coached and well drilled and super disciplined and and that translates to early season progress and, and jumping out the gate fast whereas later in the year i think typically your your lsus and your auburns tend to get more dangerous later in the year as they kind of get it together and figure stuff out uh so yeah that's a really good point bob bobby and a, and a perceptive one but Broadly speaking, if I'm going to play an SEC team, generally I want to get them early if, if they're talented because uh, they tend to figure it out more late. It's interesting. Texas hasn't had that many, uh, you know, one-on-ones with SEC teams through the years. They tried with LSU and then COVID got them on the return year. Uh, so Texas didn't go back to Baton Rouge. Uh, now Texas is going into the SEC. Back when I was in school, we played Auburn uh, a couple times. Yeah. You know, and that was a that was one of the few – I can't think of another SEC team uh, other than Arkansas, and now Arkansas, but not Ole Miss. Yeah, Ole Miss. There was a home and home there in the the uh, 2010s. Um, so that it hasn't been many though. Uh, I guess Mississippi State early uh, in the 90s. Uh, as those well were some with, ugly games. I remember those. Yep. yep no that's, doubt. That's the one where Jer- uh, Jackie Sherrill castrated uh, a, a bull, right? Yep. In the locker room right before the game. Yeah, I, I'll I'll never forget. I went back. I went to Scott Field, uh, which I think maybe Mississippi State Stadium is still called that. I can't tell you for sure. Uh, as a member of the team, I was I was filming the games at that point in time uh, for the team as an undergrad, and there was a thunderstorm, like a typical thunderstorm, like I was living in Houston, and it just I mean the entire power in the stadium went out. And it was a hundred degrees outside and a hundred percent humidity. And the stadium was painted white. So all of the sun was just blaring off of it. It was just, it was a, that was probably the worst um, away game atmosphere, not from a stand, not from a fan's perspective, because the fans in, in Mississippi state were fine just from the actual rough, uh, environs, I guess. Like Penn State was easy compared to that. So. There's no way you have the expansion of population in the South and Southwest without air conditioning. I mean, my I my dad grew up in rural Louisiana in, in Cajun country uh, out uh, in St. Martinville, Louisiana. He spent most of his childhood there. And dude, those people were tough as nails growing up with a, a little lazy ceiling fan and a, and a porch, right? With some shade on it. But, you know, people back then, like, you would go home at lunchtime, the heat of the day, and go take a nap or just get out of the sun. That was a thing, man. Uh, but, yeah, but you, you, you just it's amazing to think what, what the modern world would be like without air conditioning, man. You, you go to those places and you realize why. Um, Nick Saban uh, is a, you know, venerable coach. Uh, I, I can understand the seven-plus points, or you said eight-and-a-half. Yeah. Um, I, I I go back to the question of whether or not Texas is really ready to take that next step. Um, and if they are, they're going to be tested early because I, I think Nick Saban does have a well-coached team early in the season. The only thing I would say to that is where are they at at quarterback? Uh, it's the unknown for them. Um, and uh, typically when he does well early in the season, he's got a, quarterback ready to go whether it's Jalen Hurts uh, they beat I can't remember who they beat I think it was USC just with a true freshman Jalen Hurts at quarterback uh, they beat Virginia Tech and uh, some other schools through the years just like 
beat them out of the hat. I, I worry that that Texas is running into a you know the tiger's lair, so to speak. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see exactly uh, what that means. Well, when your head coach comes out of the spring game and both quarterbacks who are vying for the you know the starting job play poorly, he you know Nick Saban tried to gloss it over a little bit, but not too much. And then he immediately went out and got a transfer quarterback from Notre Dame. Uh, that that tells you something. And I think we'll see. We'll see what happens in September. But my guess is that you know it's going to be it's going to be Tyler Buckner quarterback for Bama when we play him. We'll see. Yeah, yeah you, you never know. Hey, let's let's move on to something else. And, and I like to talk to you about this kind of stuff because Paul, I know you're a you're big on strength and conditioning and what it means, um, and you're also big on playing multiple sports and how that, you know, trains the body for all kinds of events that might happen down the road. Well, the Texas state track meet is happening right now. UIL track meet uh, in Austin. Um, I, I was talking to Jerry and Ian on Friday uh, during a live stream uh, about uh, the number of players and how track sometimes translates to the football field and sometimes doesn't. Um, two guys, uh, Eric Metcalf and uh, Marquise Goodwin, both won the NCAA long jump twice as Longhorns. James Lott, the back guy that played back in the 80s, won the high jump in the NCAAs. Jamal Charles was a tremendous, tremendous sprinter and hurdler. Those guys translated, but other guys don't. Is, is there a a single factor that you see uh, that you believe makes things like this translate? It's, it's ultimately, it's going to be lateral quickness, right? So Eric Metcalf straight line fast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. But also, one of the quickest human beings I've ever seen on a football field. Just like his father, Terry, actually. If you go watch old NFL footage of the St. Louis Cardinals back in the day. Yes, they were the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, it's, it's amazing how similar they were, uh, the jump cuts and just the acceleration out of the cut. Uh, but yeah, you think about the, the, all the ones that are straight line fast, but they don't have any wiggle. They can't decelerate. They can't cut. They can't, um, they can't tamp it down. The other thing too, Bobby, is if you're a wide receiver, you, you really can't run full, full speed and still catch the ball. I mean, you can run real fast and still catch the ball, but you can't just open it up like a track guy, right? 
you still have to have some composure and some balance and you got to track the ball. So I think that's a part of it as well. Uh, but ultimately, you know, football is not really a straight line game. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an erratic game and there's a lot of, of time lapse and cuts and jumps and, you know, there's a lot of chaff in between you and the ball or where you're trying to get, you got to break a tackle. You have to have contact balance, right? If you're a ball carrier. So there's a lot of other factors, but bottom line, if you're really fast, you're actually more likely to have those other traits. So we all think of the straight line fast guy who can't translate it to football, but there are more fast guys who are also quick who can clock a really fast hundred meters. So it's, it's not that it's almost all of them or even most of them. It's just really fast guys also tend to be really quick guys. Although there are really quick guys who aren't that fast. So it's an interesting dichotomy. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I think of it and the thing that the commonality for me actually is not necessarily lateral quickness. I think that is part of the answer. A, a big part of it for me is physicality hmm. and the ability to play through contact, even if you're a smaller guy. Yeah. Xavier Worthy, for example, plays through contact, even though he's 165 pounds dripping wet. You, you know what I mean by that? Absolutely. Um, and, and I think I think that is a large part of it. I think of Jamal Charles being so tough to tackle, not necessarily well, – I mean, he certainly had quickness, to your point, the lateral quickness, and then the acceleration was otherworldly in, in some respects, in my opinion. But he could play through a lot of contact, Paul. Yeah. Um, and I think it's – I think we may be onto something there from a combination perspective mm-hmm. where it's not only is it that lateral quickness – because you mentioned – like. Let me give you another example. Brian Robeson, not, I don't, you know, played what ten plus years in the NFL. Just yep. retired a year ago uh, on the national from the national championship team. Actually, was the longest tenured men- member of the national championship team in the NFL. The defensive end. He was a supernatural discus thrower in high school. Yeah, I think he threw it one ninety plus. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um. He always had the physicality, but what translated so much for him wasn't just that physicality. He was also laterally quick, to your point. Great point. To to add to that, I've got a friend uh, that is always on my podcast. Everyone gets a trophy. Uh, Shout out. Uh, Randy Boone, who was a very good pitcher for Texas in in our, our glory days in baseball. And he actually told me an anecdote about they were all in there doing their conditioning and lifts or whatever. And Brian Robinson came in and started lifting and they all just turned and watched like mouth the gate at the stuff that he was doing and what he was lifting just easily, you know, just, and, and, you know, it's funny too, Bobby, as an aside, um, we think of track and field and we instantly think of hundred meter guy. We think of maybe hurdles, maybe long jump, these explosive things. Well, there's also discus and shot. And the fact is, if you're really good at those two things, you are amazing at generating power quickly. And that really translates to the football field. So old guy call out here a little, even before my time, I was a kid during this, but Jerry ball, who was a, a, an Olympic level shot putter. He was a what? 12 year NFL veteran, uh, all American at SMU, absolutely dominant nose tackle. And this dude, when he came off the ball, it was violent. And it was exactly the same attribute 
that his shot putting demonstrated, which is his ability to just muster up his whole body energy and manifest it in this piece of lead that he could fling, you know, twice as far as any normal person. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of an interesting chicken or the egg thing. Are these um, discus and shot guys super powerful and good at displaying that power because of the event? Or is it they're just good at it and so therefore they're good at the discus and the shot? You know, or, or does it actually help you build and manifest that tool, that attribute? It's an interesting sort of proposition, I think. I, I wonder, you know, I, I'm looking at, at this and, and I'm, I'm looking at Ryan Niblett, by the way, the, the running or the wide receiver out of uh, Aldean Ike. Uh, he runs in the state track meet uh, later today. Uh, Trevor Goosby, uh, a University of Texas signee uh, from Melissa, big offensive lineman. He finished fourth in the shot put. I think he went 56-5 or something like that. Um, Jelani McDonald uh, triple jumped uh, 47-9. On Thursday, Paul. That's very good. Yeah, no, I, these are all good, really, really good numbers. I think he went, finally went to, or on Friday, he went 48 2. Uh, so I, I don't, I, excuse me, for, he went 47 9 on Thursday. Uh, I, I'm still trying to figure out what place he came in, but he, he's just, these guys that do that, I, Trevor Gooseby has to prove that he can actually play with physicality for me. He didn't always do that. Yeah. Jelani McDonald was one of the guys that always played with physicality and he has this elite track stuff. So I, I see him as being that guy this year. Ryan Niblett is, is a question mark for me because, you know, he played every position in high school, um, but you don't know if he's going to be able to, to handle his body is not big enough per se uh, to be one of those guys where like Jelani McDonald, you know, it's going to translate. So of the three that are in the state track meet for me, McDonald is the most sure one. I want to see if if Goosby has that uh, physicality or enough of it to be an offensive lineman, right, at the elite level, and then Niblet as well. 100% on Jelani McDonald. And when I was looking at him as a recruit, uh, people were trying to figure out, oh, you know, well, he's a tweener. What are we going to do with him? It's like he's a star basketball player, a really good basketball player. He's the do-it-all, like, hey, Jelani, go win the game. He, he plays the go-win-the-game position in football, which is you're going to play some quarterback, you're going to play some running back, you're going to play defense, you're not coming off the field, and if we need to win the game, we're just going to ride you. And then he's a triple jumper, which I, I am by no means an expert in that, but I know that that event is not just explosiveness, but it's coordination, it's body control, it's proprioception. It's your ability to adjust your body in space and when you add that in with his larger profile, that's a guy from an athletic standpoint. I don't really care what his 40 is. That's an athlete. And, and it just so happens, I think he runs a pretty good 40 as well. But that's a person that I'll, when I see those combinations of traits, I always put a peg in that person. Plus you see him in his body. He's every bit of 6'2". He's long. He's going to carry over 200 pounds once he starts lifting weights. I mean, man, I think he's an exceptional potential athlete and develop, you know, wherever he ends up. And I, I hope it's in, in, in the secondary. Um, I think he's going to be a, a potential star. Yeah. He finished fourth, by the way, I looked it up while you were talking there uh, in the triple jump. Uh, Gooseby finished fourth in the uh, shot put uh, Ryan Niblett runs later today on one of the relay teams. 
Uh, Niblet had been one of the faster guys in uh, the uh, Houston area, uh, but was dealing with a hamstring injury uh, most of this year. Uh, Paul, uh, you know, anything else you want to talk about before we get going here on a Saturday? Uh, I feel like the Longhorns are in that lull right now. Texas coaches uh, are out on the road still recruiting, uh, looking for things, but uh, waiting for guys to come in uh, to make official visits in June. They have Terry, uh, uh, Kobe Black, excuse me, uh, out of uh, Waco Connolly. He's in this week as well as part of uh, the, uh, tr- he's not part of the track team, but he's in to see some of his friends. Is there anything else you think is going on right now that people need to be thinking about as it relates to Texas? Well, football season's a little bit in the doldrums at the moment. We'll have some stuff to talk about soon, but uh, eve of summer is here, Bobby, and that means people are buying houses. So (laughs) we want to thank our sponsor, Gabe Winslow at Mortgage Solutions. Gabe is a great supporter of all things Longhorn uh, here and everywhere else. Uh, We want to thank him for his support. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. Hey, don't reach out to Gabe because he's a big supporter of Longhorn stuff, though he is. Reach out to him because he's phenomenal at what he does. 20 years of industry experience. He's got a law degree. And he does a lot more than just provide you with a great quote. He's going to help you plan for what, for most of us, what is the biggest financial purchase that we ever do at one time in our whole lives. So reach out to him. Thanks again, Gabe. We appreciate your support. Definitely appreciate it. All right, Paul. You have a good weekend, bud. Hey, and, you uh, too. We'll see you again next week. Hook up. All right.